guys, you're listening to the Mixed Feels Podcast coming at you from NYC with your hosts, Cruz and Unco Dan. Mixed Feels explores and discusses topics meant to give our listeners a heavy dose of mixed feelings. This podcast is an extension of MixedFeels.com. In case this is the first time you're tuning into the Mixed Feels Podcast, please be sure to check out our intro episode where we briefly share about our backgrounds and complex histories. In this episode, we talk with Caroline Mariko Stuckey about her upbringing, her journey of self-discovery, and how her personal life experiences have inspired her work. Um, my name is Caroline Mariko Stuckey. Uh, I am a cinematographer and director. I am originally from Switzerland. I am half Japanese, and I currently live in New York. Caroline's work includes a wide range of commercial, narrative, and nonfiction films. Two of Caroline's short films in particular explore issues of racial conflict and sexual identity, but within normalized contexts. One is titled Colorblind, spelled color slash blind, while the other is titled Us. While Colorblind is no longer available online, Us is currently on Vimeo and Amazon Prime. Colorblind and Us are very specific to who Caroline is and can serve as a general roadmap for her journey of self-discovery. For example, Colorblind is a film about a young blind man named Charlie who has been raised to stay within the bounds of his own racial group. When he unknowingly falls in love with a young woman of another race, Charlie chooses to overcome his racial indoctrination and follow his heart. If you're blind, you're not going to choose your friends because of how they look. You're going to choose people you want to be around because of how they make you feel. And I think that it's partly because I'm mixed that I feel this way. Similarly, based on the experience of being raised by a conservative Japanese mother, Us illustrates the need for cultural understanding and open dialogue within a relationship context. Us is a film about identity, vulnerability, and uh, sexual liberation. And it tells the story of these two women who are from different cultures and how they negotiate life together. Listening to and trying to understand another's perspective was an important lesson Caroline learned while navigating through a multicultural and multilingual household. My father spoke French to me. My mother speaks uh, Japanese with me. And they speak English together. Growing up and hearing my parents argue and then not understanding why they couldn't understand each other on a certain topic, I think for people who are mixed or who know more than one language, you do have the ability to understand beyond what a person is trying to say. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's back up a bit and talk about how Caroline grew up and decided to become a filmmaker in the first place. Caroline grew up moving around quite a bit. I was born in uh, Zurich. And when I was about one year old, uh, we moved to Thailand. I lived there for five years. So I came back to Switzerland when I was about six, went to school there, went to high school there. So the, the interesting thing about Switzerland is that there are actually four national languages, uh, Swiss, German, French, Italian, and Romanche. And it's funny because between a Swiss German and a Swiss French person, we would probably speak English together. So it's all over the place. Switzerland is actually a country where there are a lot of foreigners. 
for example, when I was 10 years old, in my class, there were only two Swiss people. Like everybody else was from another European or Eastern European or North African uh, country. So it was very mixed, actually. Um, I don't have a lot of Swiss friends. They're all not from Switzerland. They, I mean, they're white, uh, like they're Spanish or Italians or French or German, but it's a very mixed country in a way. She continues, explaining how despite this diversity of ethnic cultures, Switzerland is still overwhelmingly racially homogenous. My feeling is that in Switzerland, even if your parents are not Swiss, but you are like a first generation uh, immigrant, people don't mix a lot with other cultures. In other words, even though Switzerland is mixed in the sense that it contains many different cultures within its borders, at the same time, these cultures choose to remain separate. So think of mixed in this context to be akin to a chopped salad with the separate ingredients tossed together instead of them being a thoroughly blended multi-fruit smoothie. This type of mixed but not blended society did have a direct consequence on someone like Caroline, whose parents had indeed created a blended culture and child of their own. For example, I was enrolling for school. When I'm talking on the phone with someone, they ask me, oh, are you French? I'm like, yeah, I'm Swiss from the French part. They're very friendly with me. And then I go to school and they see me and they are like, oh, you don't look like you, you sound. And I had the feeling that they were changing their attitude toward me. And uh, same, same for job interviews. Like, oh, you have a French accent. Are you French? Um, and then once they see me, they're like, oh, you, I wasn't expecting you uh, look like this. Caroline's example illustrates how in Switzerland, ethnicity is tied to appearance or race. She speaks French, but her Asian features throws people off. In a truly blended society, physical appearance would not necessarily be tied to language or culture. In school, Caroline didn't know anyone who was mixed like herself, but luckily at home she did. In my school, there, I didn't know anybody who was mixed, or there wasn't a lot of Asian people, but my mother, uh, all her friends, were Japanese married to a Swiss person who had also mixed children. So I had a lot of friends who were mixed like me, a Swiss Japanese. So I did grow up uh, seeing a lot of people who looked like me. So even though she was bullied in school, she was fortunate to be around other kids with similar backgrounds and shared experiences. But now that I think about it, we never talked about it. We never talked about how do you feel when you're in school. Sometimes we did mention the fact that there was racism. So I was bullied and I was uh, called names uh, in school and I was very confused because I was feeling very Swiss and yet I was being insulted by, by other children. I was just called names uh, such as, um, well, the equivalent in English is ching. Uh, Shintok is the same word that, uh, is, is chink. They, they would target my Asian part. Uh, they will uh, make fun of my eyes and stuff like this. But I was kind of like laughing at them because I'm like, I'm actually Japanese, so you're wrong. But I would go home to my mom and tell her, well, they don't even know, you know, the difference between uh, Asian people. So I was kind of uh, getting a little bit of a revenge like that. But uh, no, it was mainly like being called uh, names. On top of being mixed, Caroline was also gay. 
And not only was she bullied, she was also alone in the struggle to figure out her sexual orientation. It was mainly because of my mother that I didn't come out, uh, because in Japan, it's very badly seen to be gay. The first gay person I knew was uh, a classmate of mine. And I was very happy when he came out because everybody accepted him, which I was like, so, okay, well, I guess if I come out, they will also be accepting. Um, there was a group of lesbians that I knew, but I was afraid to hang out with them. Uh, so I really didn't have anybody to, to talk to. It was really hard. Like I, it's kind of dark, but I, I was in a point in my life when I accepted that I was maybe never going to be able to come out or never be able to be with somebody I was in love with. And I just lived with it. I just, I kind of, I guess I was just surviving, um, accepting that it's okay. Like I will just be this person that I'm not. After high school and several years of just surviving, Caroline decided to leave Switzerland. She ventured east in hopes of finding some answers about her Japanese roots. After high school, I wanted to get to know my Japanese roots more, so I lived in Japan for one year. That one year was a huge culture shock for me because um, when I was in Japan, they would call me Mariko, but they knew that I was half and actually they refused, they pretty much refused to call me Caroline. They said, we are going to call you Mariko. And for me, it was hard because I nobody ever called me Mariko before. While being called Mariko might sound like a hospitable gesture, meant to be inclusive, refusing to call her Caroline showed how her Japanese co-workers simply imagined a version of her that was palatable for them, erasing who she was in actuality. I guess they wanted to call me Mariko because it was easier for them. Uh, but at the same time, they were not treating me like a Japanese person. Um, I, I don't really understand because I do look Japanese, like it's clearly, um, but maybe they're not used to seeing, uh, or at least at that time, again, they were not used to seeing, for, maybe for people who are Japanese, I don't look Japanese. That's that something that I can't really understand. This part of our conversation reminded us of our episode with Davy Millard of Rogatore in Tokyo Coffee. Davy talked about how his niece Mesa was bullied in school for not looking Japanese enough. In Japan, every, every once a week, everybody, all school meeting, everybody goes to the gym, every single person, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's 99% Japanese, right, mm-hmm. in Japan, and out of that 1%, there's a lot of Chinese and Koreans. They're indistinguishable, right? Mm-hmm. True. So if there's 300 kids, there's one girl with a little bit light tinted hair. You just stand out. And that person's face is a little bit okay. lighter tone. So to me, I might not be able to be like, I can't tell the difference. But then like, if you put, if you look at her with this C, then it's it so the obvious. She stands yeah, out. Yeah, it's like there's a black kid. Wow. It's like a black boy being in 300 white kids. It's that obvious to them. So that's just, that's how homogenous it is. That's how homogenous it is. His anecdote reminds us of just how homogenous Japan really is, and how Caroline's experience also resonates with this fact. Another experience that added to Caroline's culture shock was that she was also treated differently for being a woman. Being a woman there is also not easy because they don't take women seriously. 
I was working at the Universal Exposition in 2005 in Aichi. I was there as an assistant, just trying to learn um, how to put together a theater piece. And it was, it was a great experience because it was universal, but I was working for a Japanese company mm -hmm. and it was really tough. So all the people who were working above me were men and they will not let a woman talk or make a decision, uh, at least at that, at that time. So I think a lot of things have changed, but I was in my early 20s and everybody else was in their 50s. <laughs> so like I would try to make a suggestion or give feedback when they were talking about a certain situation and they would just look at me and be like, why are you even here, you know? Caroline knew from her experience with her mother that it would not be easy to come out to others in Japan. That said, she also observed a strange double standard. Japan, for me, is, is very um, contradictory. There are very famous singers who are trans in Japan. Um, but if it's someone in your family, like your daughter, your son, your sister, your brother, your cousin, that's like, you can't say it in public, basically. It's shame on your family. So it's fine as long as what's different can be kept at arm's length, but not fine if it hits too close to home. So I went to Japan to get closer to my Japanese route, but I actually uh, felt like I, they were, I was pushed away from, from it. And I, so when I left Japan, I was like, I'm not M Mura Mariko. I went back to being Caroline and I had all my questions answered after I lived in Japan. So that's why now when I say my name, I say my name is Caroline Mariko Staki. That way people can maybe anticipate that I'm mixed and maybe they can guess where I'm from. But I was still not feeling myself in Switzerland. When I'm in Japan, they consider me not Japanese. And when I'm in Switzerland, they don't consider me Swiss. They consider me as an Asian person. Being bullied in Switzerland, alienated in Japan, and the object of her mother's Japanese biases against homosexuality, Caroline's mixed Euro-Asian history was marked by perpetual marginalization and erasure. Eventually, she decided to venture in a new direction and head west to the U.S. Growing up, Caroline had always dreamed of going to the United States. Nostalgic photos of her parents' cross-country road trips inspired a love of the American landscape. Most of the picture I saw of them is when they met in California in the late, like late 70s and they traveled all over America together. That is the reason why I think I am so attracted by American culture because of all those pictures I saw of them. Caroline also grew up listening to American music and watching Hollywood films. My uncle used to own uh, movie theaters in my region in Switzerland. So I was able to go see the movies for free and I could bring a friend with me. And that was also one of the reasons why I was like, I want to live here and kind of live that life that I see in the movies. Growing up, speaking three languages, then learning a fourth language and not being very good at, at one. When my father gave me a camera, I shot something and then I edited it and then I showed it to my family and everybody loved it. They laughed. They understood what I was trying to say. I felt like that was 
maybe my language in a way that this is maybe the way I can express myself the best. It's not in French, it's not in English, it's not in Japanese, it's not definitely not in German. <laughs> but maybe when I make a film, maybe that's how I can actually uh, speak. Cinema became her universal language, one that allowed her to express herself visually instead of linguistically. Watch a movie, turn off the sound, and pay only attention to the camera movements and to the lighting, and you will still understand the story. Where the character is emotionally, because he's standing in a spotlight or he's standing half in the shadow and he's coming into the light, all that kind of things, that's what I really love about uh, cinematography and, and also filmmaking in general, is that you can use all these tools to tell a story, and it's all visual. Caroline decided to go to film school and try her luck in New York City. In 2011, uh, 2012, that's when I came to New York, and I've been living here since then. When I came to New York, everybody was talking to everybody, and I had the feeling I was home because I, nobody was not talking to me because of how I looked. Home wasn't a roof, it wasn't a culture, it wasn't even her own family. She was finally able to just be, exist in a space as all of herself, without having to hide anything or adapt to anything. I lived for two months in Harlem at this uh, woman's uh, house. She was from Trinidad and it was a party every day. And there would be people from all over the place and because I was her friend, they would treat me like their friends. I met so many people from so many different cultures. And I was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like, I don't feel like they are different with me because I, am, I don't necessarily look like them. I don't try to make friends with people because they look like me. If I feel like I have a good connection with someone, that's what matters to me. I think when I really felt good about my, my identity is when I came to New York. And I was like, okay, here is a place I can be myself. It doesn't matter where I'm from, people will accept me because everybody's from somewhere else. The experience in Harlem left a deep impression on Caroline. For the first time, the culture around her was warm, inviting, and finally accepting. Caroline wasn't in Switzerland anymore no longer tied to her father's story. She wasn't in Japan anymore, no longer tied to her mother's story. She was in Harlem, in New York City, to write and direct her own story. The experience in Harlem inspired Caroline to process feelings of rejection and longing for acceptance in a language she felt most comfortable with, film. And that's why I made the film Colorblind, mm -hmm. where the main character is blind, so he doesn't care about uh, ethnicity. So he treats everybody uh, the same way, whereas the world around him doesn't see it the same way. So the film is, is taking place in Harlem because I felt like it was kind of like a middle ground for people from different cultures to come and meet. After completing Colorblind, Caroline moved on to processing another aspect of her life that had been suppressed for far too long. She found that New York was giving her opportunities to explore parts of herself that she had written off long ago. When I came to New York, I went to film school, so I was surrounded 
by artists. And I feel like in artistic communities, people are also more open-minded. So I would go to parties and girls would hit on me, which like it never really happened before, like publicly. Uh, so it really made me feel like it was okay. Like there's not, nothing wrong about uh, with it. And so seeing other people being, you know, bi or, or straight or gay and being comfortable around other people made me feel comfortable about being myself. And I think uh, dating somebody really helped because I, I, otherwise it's, it was kind of like made no sense to, for me to come out. After some time in New York, Caroline eventually came out to her parents and friends. While mostly everyone was fine with the news, her mother was unable to accept it. She didn't really believe me. She said things like, it's just a phase. What you're feeling is friendship. It's not love. So, yeah, <laughs> it was, I was not understanding of her reaction because I was really opening myself to her. And still now she, she still thinks that one day I will uh, fall in love with a man and get married and have children. Even if I tell her, no, it's not like you, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> this experience of coming out to her mother inspired several scenes in us. Here's an example. So lucky. Oh, I wish it was as easy to come out to my parents. What happened? How old are you? <laughs> it was last year, so I'm 26. What? Yeah. Really? So what happened? Um, I came out to my mom first. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't face both of them at the same time, you know? Uh, or she didn't believe me at first. You know, my culture, it's taboo to put your entire family to shame. So anyway, she said things like, it's impossible, and I just couldn't come out to the whole world. And she eventually got over it, but she made me promise not to tell the rest of my family. That's awful, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That was a short clip from the film Us. In the scene, Joe explains to Helen that she was only recently able to come out due to the conservative nature of her culture. So it's, it's very much inspired by my own experience. And I also just wanted to make a movie about something I know. Uh, so I felt like, okay, this, was, this is the story I'm going to tell. It's very interesting to see it in a movie theater because... I would hear people being more on Helen's side or on Joe's side, depending on their own experience. So white people were on Helen's side when, for example, Helen asks Joe, what did you tell your colleagues I was to you? It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it kind of is a big deal. And here it goes. They know me. Not in that context. Okay. <laughs> They fucking know me. Like, what have you said that I was to them? And she says, I told them you're my friend. And I hear reaction in the theater. I was like, oh, oh, like this. And then, but then when, when Joe explains why uh, she does this. 
We'll just use this as the perfect opportunity, and we'll tell them together. No, it's my fucking place of work. Then Asian people are more like, yes, this is how it is in our culture. You can't let everybody know about your private life. And people have to understand that it's a cultural thing and you have to accept it also, or at least let, let it be. Like let Joe be who she feels comfortable. But Joe also has to understand that Helen feels erased when, when she's not being out to her girlfriend's colleague. So it's really about discussing uh, differences. And even if you don't agree, it's okay. You just have to, you can't try to change somebody. You have to accept it. And if you don't accept it, then you split, I guess, and then you just all go your own way. Mm -hmm. But if you, you have a, a conflict, you should try to understand the other side and then it will help you maybe accept it and then live with it. My girlfriend always says, no one is the villain in their own stories. And when you think this way, you can't start trying to understand someone else because you think, well, I'm right you, and, and you, you can only be wrong. But in somebody else's world, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. So I think what I was trying to do is to make those people who are more on one side or the other try to understand the other side. It's like, yes, your experience as a white person is like this. Your experience as an Asian person is like this, but you have to understand that someone else's experience is not the same as yours. And that's how like just being open-minded and really trying to understand uh, other people is, is helpful. To me, us is uh, anybody's story. It could be a straight couple or it could be two men or it's two women. It doesn't matter. Like love is love. Like really, uh, <laughs> it really is. And I think like I, I was in a straight relationship also, so I feel like there's no difference. So I hope that when people watch us, no matter if their sexual or orientation, that they will feel like it's just a story of two people who are in love just managed to live together. Many of us can deeply relate to Caroline's story and her lifelong journey to find home. This desire to find like-minded individuals who we feel comfortable around is pretty much the reason we started Mixed Feels. What makes Caroline's story impressive is that despite the rejection and negativity, she remained open and receptive. And because of this, she was rewarded with a loving, open-minded community. People who get her, who want to be around her, and who accept her unconditionally. When people say you're a multicultural, you're not half something or a quarter something. You are actually more than that. Because I feel like having parents from two very different cultures, I was able to understand why my mother is a certain way and why my father is another way. Whereas when you're perhaps from one culture and maybe your parents didn't travel a lot, you tend to only think one way. As an immigrant, it's equally impressive that Caroline has built such a large portfolio in such a short amount of time. We also asked Caroline about the challenges she has faced as a female in a male-dominated profession, 
and what kind of change she hopes to see in the future. I was lucky that a lot of male co-workers are treating me just like another DP, uh, which is great. But I had worked for some directors who, even though I was hired for a job, they still question my knowledge. It's very insulting, but because they, I know they would never talk like this to a male DP. Or they would uh, ask a question to the, the gaffer or to the AC in front of me uh, because they wouldn't trust my, my answer. So that has still happens and it's, it's annoying, but for me, it's more like, okay, this, this dude just, you know, it's his problem. It's not mine. And it, it makes me feel bad, but, it, but I'm like, I have to just go over it. But I think the problem is people don't trust a woman to know, even if she knows, like I've, I've seen women DPs who are really amazing, not given the chance to show what they can do because there wasn't a director or a producer who believed in them. So I think the change could be that if you're a male director, hey, next time you should have filmed, like hire a woman uh, or producers, you know, like don't hire only men, like try to do 50-50. I definitely encourage people to learn more about other cultures or ask questions to friends who are who don't have the same uh, sexual orientation as you. Because like we were saying, you are attracted to a group that looks like you. And so you end up not learning anything. For example, your podcast, a lot of mixed people are gonna listen, but I, uh, my hope is that a lot of non-mixed people are gonna listen. Actually, they should be the people, the ones who, as much as this is a community for us to, to find people, we can talk about our issues. Uh, together, but encourage people to listen to it and then learn about what it is to be mixed and yeah, make friends with uh, people who are not like you so you can uh, learn from them. That wraps up our conversation with Caroline Mariko Stuckey. Stay tuned for our next interview with Camille Hoffman, a mixed media artist based in New York City. Camille will talk about her work, which draws inspiration from the Philippine and Jewish traditions of her ancestors. We also touch upon topics of environmental ethics, the Eurocentric legacy of painting, and the challenges of navigating through socioeconomic divides. And remember, this podcast is an extension of our site, MixedFeels.com. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to write us at admin at MixedFeels.com or hit us up on our Instagram pages. We look forward to sharing more with you on our next episode. Until then.